This episode is brought to you by the Italian Wine Academy, teaching WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English, right here in Verona, the home of the Italian Wine Podcast. Want to become part of the international wine sector? Need a worldwide recognized certification? Don't know where to start? You can easily complete our courses while you enjoy the fun and excitement of Verona. Make your vacation good value for money by adding a wine certificate to your souvenirs. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education. Welcome to Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps. We have specially created this free content for all our listeners who are studying for wine exams. This has been a journey of development since Stevie Kim discovered Rosie Baker's hand-drawn maps on Instagram through two years of work by our in-house editorial and graphics team, and now the maps are available to purchase in beta form while they undergo the final proofing and editing by our expert advisory board. It's a three-layered project because we know everyone learns differently. We now offer the complete box set of 39 maps, this series of podcasts with the maps narrated by our crack team of wine educators, and finally, the study guide book, which will be published later this year. Our map project is in no way a substitute for the material set out by other educational organizations, but we hope all the wine students out there will find our map project a new, exciting, and useful tool for learning. For more information and to buy the maps, please visit our website at mamajumboshrimp.com. Welcome to the Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps podcast. In this episode, we will be looking at the Northwest Italy map. Exploring the wines and subregions of Northwest Italy, especially the Reds, can be for some connoisseurs, collectors, and madmen a lifelong pursuit. Let's see what we can do in 15 minutes. This corner of Italy is formed a bit like an amphitheater, with the Alps closing it from the north and west and the Apennine Range creating a smaller coastal mountain to the south. The rivers that flow from the north and west converge into the Po River, which flows east, creating its own wide, flat valley all the way to the Adriatic Sea. The African tectonic plate moving slowly north has created the two mountain ranges, but there are areas of hills in the middle of the region, especially in Piemonte, the literal foothills of the mountains, where this movement creates uplift of ancient soils into the hills that then contain many layers soil types and many wrinkles, ridges, and aspects. Perfect for viticulture. Vines have been grown on many of these hills since Roman times and before, even up into the mountains and valleys where terraces were cut by hand into the steep slopes to make growing and tending vines possible. So the millennia have shown where the best conditions have created the best grapes. The various rivers throughout the region, as well as the larger lakes like Maggiore and Como, also help to moderate the more extreme weather conditions. But winters are generally long and cold, with ample snowfall at elevation and summer rainstorms that bring the threat of damaging hail to the vineyards. Some towns go as far as to blast air cannons at the clouds, hoping to break up any hailstones before reaching the grapes. Obviously, lack of moisture in northwest Italy is rarely a problem. In fact, when the moisture comes as fog in the spring and early summer, la nebbia, it can act as a protective blanket from the sun, especially for thin-skinned grapes like Nebbiolo, which may have gotten its name for the gray bloom that covers its skin like fog right before harvest. Nebbiolo is Piedmont's and one of Italy's most commercially important grapes. It is not locally the most planted, that would be Barbera, but those two reds, along with Dolcetto and white grapes Cortesia Moscato, account for 80% of the vineyard area, so these are our focus today. Nebbiolo is the main 
or sole grape in 21 DOCs and 8 DOCGs in Northwest Italy. Please note that this is one region in Italy that has no IGT or IGP designation for a winemaker to declassify his wine. If DOC or DOCG wine is not made following all the rules, it must simply be bottled as table wine. The wines Nebbiolo makes are considered some of the most complex and age-worthy in the world. A single vineyard wine from the Barolo Commune is the most expensive wine from Italy upon release. Oh, and Barolo is actually referred to as the King of Wines and Wine of Kings. But what makes it so special, and why isn't it grown all around the world? First, as a grape, Nebbiolo has thin skins with very little color left after fermentation, so the wine looks old even when it's young. High in acid and tannin, requiring winemaking skills to manage both, it's also slow to ripen, sensitive to some diseases, and seems to only grow on the types of soil in the particular climate of northwest Italy. Wines from Barolo and the eight surrounding villages of the DOCG have vineyards on steep, mostly south-facing slopes for maximum sun exposure. In fact, Barolo Nebbiolo cannot be grown on the north-facing slopes. Most producers will blend a wine from different village vineyards to get a mix of flavors, and historically to guarantee at least a decent harvest in case of damaging hail. These village names can appear on the label if all the grapes are sourced from that village area. And the best wines often come from single-named vineyard slopes, or crews, as they're called, that have historically been recognized for producing great grapes. By law, the wine must be aged for three years before release by the winery, with 18 months of that in oak barrels, well, the size and type of which are a winemaking decision. Many winemakers now have come full circle from using big, old, wooden bote of 10,000 liters to experimenting with modern French new oak barriques, to going back to usually a mix of larger and more neutral barrels. No need to add additional tannins to Nebbiolo. Combined with technology in the cellars, better understanding of how to vinify Nebbiolo, and cleaner, more careful techniques in the vineyards, Barolo wines now require a shorter maturation period. Not to say they don't need some time in bottle. When young, the wines are often too acidic and too tannic to enjoy and require, in some cases, decades to repeat maturity of flavor. Aging wines like Nebbiolo allow for molecular and chemical changes that eventually make the taste smoother, with flavors and aromas evolving from simply floral and fruity to more complex truffles, tar, and leather. As for being the wine of kings, not only is Brolo one of the most prestigious wines of Italy, but one of its most famous wineries and estates, which was once owned by the first king of unified Italy, Vittorio Emanuele Il Segondo. The first modern Barolo, as you might recognize the wine today, was bottled during his reign, and so was born the King of Wines. The wines of Barbaresco can be very similar. A queen to King Barolo, if you will. The vineyards that surround the town, just to the east of Barolo, and at slightly less elevation on lighter, sandier soils, produce powerful wines, but not to the degree of Barolo. Because of the additional rivers surrounding Barbaresco, including the Tanaro that flows past the town and some of its famous vineyards, Nebbiolo ripens earlier here, usually with less tannin. So, in vinifying Barbaresco, only two years of aging with nine months in barrel is required. These wines do not age quite as long, but still show the classic beautiful notes of Nebbiolo. Sour cherries, licorice or even tar, rose petals to potpourri, and embracing acidity and tannins. But what do they drink in Piedmont while the Nebbiolos are aging? That's Barbera, the most widely planted grape in the Northwest, Barbera is in many ways the antithesis of Nebbiolo. It has medium to deep color, low to medium tannins, and while late ripening, is not nearly as sensitive to where it's planted. Sandy soils tend to produce grapes of higher acidity, 
lower tannins, and lower potential alcohol, while cooler clay soils will reduce the vine's natural vigor, extending the growing season and leading to high tannins and ripeness. Even in those warm to hot vintages, Barbera retains its juicy acidity even as it achieves high levels of sugar ripeness, with wines easily achieving 15 plus percent alcohol. Red cherry, plum, and black pepper notes are some of its hallmarks, along with other herbs and spice and even chocolate, but it rarely makes wines of deep complexity or ageability. Yes, some producers are experimenting with small yields and expensive wood aging, but the beauty of Barbera is its drinkability and versatility. It can even be a red with seafood. Barbera is usually labeled by which town or region it comes from. If the map is available, you can see the region for Barbera de Asti is quite a bit larger than for the Alba DOC area. With the best vineyards of the Alba regions of Barolo and Barbaresco, planted to Nebbiolo, many consumers and critics alike agree that the best vineyards of Asti make for the better wine. Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. As a DOCG, Barbera d'Asti versus Barbera d'Alba, DOC, requires lower yields, higher minimum alcohol, and a higher percentage of the grape, 90 versus 85%. And most telling, Nebbiolo is not allowed as a blending grape in Asti like it is in Alba. The little sweet one, Dolcetto, is the third leg of the triad of Piemontese red grapes. Although it makes wines that are dry and definitely not sweet, the Dolcetto grape fits perfectly with the other two, as it ripens earlier and will ripen in cooler vineyard sites at the higher elevations of southern Alba, especially around the towns of Diano d'Alba and Doliani, which have their own DOCGs for the grape. The best wines are deep in color, almost to purple, medium to high in tannins, while staying lower in acidity, and, and when ripe on the vine can taste a little sweet before harvest. The best wines have flavors and aromas of black plums, red cherries, purple flowers, and dried herbs, almost to orange peel and black tea leaves. Since these sound like delicious wines, why is Dolcetto not more widely known and consumed? Partly due to the excess seeds in each grape, excess maceration of the winery can extract bitter tannins. The wines tend toward reduction during vinification, and the vines need a lot of management. The grape bunches are susceptible to mildews in the cool, humid sites it's usually planted. Many Piedmont winemakers that still make wine in Dolcetto do it as a labor of love. For, after selling Barbera and Nebbiolo at higher prices, Little Dolcetto commands the least profit of the three. But then, great value can still be had from these producers committed to working with this difficult but rewarding grape. There are many white grapes in Piemonte, most of them native to the area, but let's focus our attention on two of the most important. Around the small town of Gavi, in the southeast corner of the main Piedmont wine region, the white Cortese is used to make the popular wine Cortese di Gavi, or just called Gavi which is a commune of the surrounding small villages and their vineyards. But if grown in the villages of the township itself, they then may be labeled as Gavi de Gavi. This town and its vineyards sit closer to the influencing sea breezes of the Gulf of Genoa and this coastal range at a slightly higher elevation than the hills of Alba. These hills of limestone-rich white clay, along with the climatic influences, help to slow the ripening Cortese, while increasing its naturally high acidity and aromatics of a pronounced floral character. Fermentation of the wine is most common in stainless steel, but some producers choose to use old, neutral oak barrels and excess lees contact to increase body and texture of the wine. The DOCG requires 100% Cortese in these wines, and wine aged for at least one year in the cellar 
becomes an example of a white reserva wine, one with the hallmark white flower, green apple, and especially yellow citrus notes, but a little more body and texture to what is typically a very light wine. It is perfect to pair with delicate seafood. Moscato. Many Moscatos grow around the world, known by dozens of names and having grape skin colors from pale yellow to rosy pink to deep red. But we speak of Moscato Bianco, most likely the parent of all the other Moscatos. Also called Canelli or Moscato di Canelli since the 1300s from a small town in the heart of Piemonte where Moscato was first famously grown. Probably known to Romans and Greeks. It's not the easiest grape to grow, has thin skins and small berries, so it's susceptible to humidity diseases, needs a lot of sun and ripens late, which brings the threat of frost or harvest rains in cooler climates, like Piedmont. But it's also quite adaptable, still thriving in warm to hot areas around the world. In the cool limestone chalky clay soils around the Asti area, with the fog to offer a little extra sun protection, Moscato makes one of the world's most delicious wines. As an aromatic grape, its wines give off heady aromas of orange blossom and rose, and the flavors are like a fruit salad of pineapple, peach, honey, and apricot, with some herbs like sage and thyme thrown in. Sometimes we call it almost grapey, which seems redundant, but to bite into a ripe grape off the vine, you experience many of these primary flavors. The Piemontese have found that the best way to present the bounty of Moscato is in sparkling wine. As it is not a high acid grape, the carbonation acts as a balancing counterpoint to the natural sweetness of the wine. Sweet, because Moscato di Asti, DOCG, is a frizzante style that only undergoes one fermentation in stainless steel tank, again, that Martinotti Charmant method, and retains much of the natural sugar into the wine. The Asti DOCG designation mostly refers to wines that are more fully sparkling, spumante, but still most often sweet. Some Matoto Classico and even late harvest Vendemia Tardiva, as they're called wines, are made, but these are less common. All these wines, of course, are 100% Moscato. As for the name Moscato or Muscat, it used to be thought to originate from the Persian town of Muscat in modern-day Oman. But better research has found that Muscat, or Musk, Mushk, the word, comes from Persian or Sanskrit for the very important source of ancient perfumes. The scent in the scrotum of the male musk deer. So, on that note, thank you for joining us, and please come back for the next Regional Italian Wine Map podcast. Arrivederci. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Italian Wine Academy, offering WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education right here in the heart of Verona. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. Ching ching! I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.